Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for Wednesday, July 13th. Well, everyone knows that there's no place like home, right? Well, therefore, today's topic is very fitting, the at-home agent. Today, we'll be taking a fresh look at the at-home agent concept and how it fits into today's call center operations. So, if you're listening live, I really want to invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. That's what Dee and Bruce are here for. And here's how you can do it. Number one, easy enough, you can email me directly at brian at benchmarkportal.com. Or, if you're listening to us through our website at calltalk.tv, feel free to use the chat function there. And I already see that someone's got uh, a question for us. Thank you so much, Bob. We'll get to that during the show, I'm sure. Now, also, if you're listening through the phone and you called in, all you have to do is hit the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question, and I'll get you in. But keep in mind, I'm not going to put you on the air right away. We'll be able to talk off air first and get organized, and then we can go ask the question on air. So, also today, a special treat. The first five people to ask a question on the show will receive one free course out of our manager certification class. There, you have 10 different courses to choose from, so the choice and topic are up to you, and if you'd like, you can give it away to one of your managers or agents as well. Now, I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at calltalk.tv any time of the day that's convenient for you. So, with that all being said, it is now my pleasure to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is the at-home agents. It's truly one of the hot topics in the contact center industry. Now, this trend, it's one of those win-win-win situations. There's an extra win in there because if it's handled well, and I underlined the word if it's handled well, agents win because they have more flexibility, they don't have to commute, and, in fact, they can be located anywhere. Uh, Managers win because their recruiting efforts are no longer limited to the immediate employment basin around their bricks-and-mortar center. And shareholders win because this arrangement can, in fact, provide a lower cost per minute cost per call. And customers win because they get the best talent to take care of their needs. So to discuss this in more detail, we brought in an expert on the topic for you, Dee Buell. Uh, Dee has over 20 years of call center experience covering both inbound and outbound calls for service and for sales. Currently, as a senior business consultant, Dee focuses on quality management for both in-office and at-home operations. She has experience in building a quality management system that uses agent performance metrics, customer satisfaction analysis, and customer relationship management data to drive an effective and efficient customer experience. And until recently, she managed the quality and training teams for MetLife with a staff of 1,200 agents, both in-house and outsourced. The training team supported 17 different call groups in six sites across the United States, plus three sites offshore, so a really big operation there. To ensure consistency across this virtual call center environment, she was involved in developing curricula, which leveraged online training tools and virtual technology. So with all this experience, we're really delighted to welcome you, Dee. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. Thank you, Bruce, and thank you for inviting me to participate in Call Talk today. You know, as you mentioned, the at-home agent is such a hot topic in the call center industry these days. I recently attended one of the call center colleges, and there were about 11 different companies represented there, and we had quite a discussion around the home agent, and it just seems to be quite fitting for us to discuss this today. You know, it does provide the company an opportunity to um, save money, but also from a from the agent's perspective, they are they're able to participate in things and provide value to the company at a much different level when they're working from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know that you've uh, done you know some research yourself and contributed to research regarding this. What what does the research tell us with regard to the use of home agents uh, these days? Well, one of the things that I think is very um, interesting is I just read a report put out by Garner, and they're stating that in the next two years, one out of every ten call center is likely to shift partially, if not all, to home agents. Mm -hmm. And I think that really shows that the industry is embracing the home agent as a, a viable staffing model that not only helps them save money, but also to provide a customer experience that is quality and uh, one that the customer will be very excited about um, doing business with them. Yeah, that is uh, that's a huge number when you think about it. There's uh, you know depending on who you talk to, somewhere between uh, forty-five and fifty-five thousand call centers in the United States. So if we uh, include Canada, that's going to you know boost things up to the uh, sixty thousand range in terms of numbers of call centers. If we're talking one out of every ten are going to be getting into this. Now we're not even talking to those folks who've already done a lot of work there. That's that's a huge number. That's uh, five six thousand call centers that are going to be shifting partially or completely to home-based agents. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, you know, I think there's a couple things. Not only is it a cost savings, but the the data that I have seen is at-home agents are, are very educated, and oftentimes um, they're an older um, agent. They are more ma- mature. They have worked in the call center. They're very reliable to fill in the gaps when some of those hours of operation are difficult for your staff to handle, such as you know nights, weekends, holiday seasons, and so forth. And and also, you know, studies show that the quality is very, very high for the home agents. Many companies use them, and their quality has actually increased, and so has their customer satisfaction once they employed the home agent. Mm. Okay, so you've gone through a number of reasons why companies would uh, turn to home agents for staffing. Why don't we go through each of those and and sort of uh, pick them apart a little bit so that our listeners can maybe also have some reasons why if they want to propose a, uh, you know, a beta of this, uh, a pilot program to their senior managers, they they might be able to get buy-in by using these, these arguments. You mentioned uh, cost savings. Uh, What would be the cost savings involved here? Well, I think two of the primary things would be um, just the bricks and mortar, not having to pay for space, Mm -hmm. office space. Uh, Also, many companies have the home agent purchase their own laptop or their own computer system and have their own phone system. So that's another expense that the company does not necessarily have to pay for. Mm-hmm. I think another uh, cost savings, too, though, is the fact that they can train these individuals faster. 
Um, they are able to um, reach out to them to cover areas of operate, you know, the hours of operation and so forth. That helps them to provide a better service to their customers. So from that perspective, it saves. We, they don't lose customers. The customers are happy, et cetera. Um, from a cost savings perspective, many companies are reaching out to outsourcers or offshoring, and, and this has also been seen as a real good alternative to going offshore, but yet still reducing the cost of the individual cost per call. Mm-hmm. Because in some cases you can actually remunerate people based on the amount of time they are actually on the phone, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, there's a, a couple of different uh, payment models that are there, but one of them is actually paying for the amount of time people are actually uh, talking, and then in many cases you have to sort of assure them of a certain level of uh, volume so that they can, uh, you know, they can then you can realize that for them it's a, a viable career as well. Okay. Uh, so there's I've a, a actually seen, uh, mm-hmm. back on the cost savings, I've actually seen, a, there, IDC is a consulting firm that specializes in at-home agents, and they actually cite that an in-house agent cost is about $31 an hour and that the remote agent is as low as $21 per hour. So that's quite a substantial savings if that is one of your objectives for your company. Right. And, and the thing to do there is to do a nice analysis and to try to actually figure out what the uh, savings would be in terms of the space, in terms of uh, the amount that the person costs. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, Dee, but a number of years ago we did a um, an analysis with C.B. Richard Ellis in which we uh, overlaid our performance database on their demographic database, found that in certain areas where there were a lot of call centers, there were dysfunctions in terms of high turnover rates and also pressure on wages, that is to say wage rates that were above the norm for the uh, the industry. And uh, this is a way of trying to combat that, isn't it? Because you, Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. You're not tied to that employment basin anymore. That, that's so well. And, you know, many times some of these – smaller towns that uh, they have very, very qualified individuals to work, and they can just dial into your switch and take your calls. And, and as I had said earlier, you know, a lot of times they're much more educated. They um, may be a, a parent trying to work when their children are at school. They could be someone that's just supplementing a retirement and their educational level, their ability to learn very quickly and adapt to technology and so forth it is quite uh, appealing when you're looking for an agent to fill your call center and, and to be able to take calls from your customer. Right, right. And I can remember talking with uh, Steve Silver, who built the program at uh, at Apple for this, actually a very large program, and uh, they were able to find the, the exact kind of person that you're talking about, well-educated, uh, able to do the technical support, et cetera, and not simply tied to one geographic area. Uh, so obviously uh, some real advantages there. What about with regard to hours of operation and business continuity uh, issues? What, what would you add on that? Well, I, in my experience in running the call center, oftentimes you have um, extended hours. Perhaps you have a 24 by 7 operation, or perhaps it's even from 8 in the morning to 10, 11, 12 at night. And to have a staff in the building handling those calls, 
you automatically would need to increase your staff to make sure there was availability for breaks, et cetera. So that's an increase in staff that you would need. Using a home agent, you would not need that. Also, you know, the home agents can be available in the evenings, usually like between 11 at night and 7 in the morning. That's a difficult shift to feel. And, uh, you know, having to have the lights on and everything in a building, it's so much more effective to have someone at home. Also, you know, if you've got hours of operation through holidays, most of your associates probably have holidays that you give them off because they're part of your company. And that customer still needs to be answered. And it's a really good alternative to having to pay all that overtime and so forth for your primary staff to handle those calls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, you know as far what? as business continuity, I, I did want to speak to that as well. I mean, we've mm-hmm. had so many storms. This year has been a, a perfect example. You, you don't expect some areas to have problems with business continuity, but when you have a storm go through and that there is no power in your area, if you have agents that are located in another area, they can dial in and your customer does not have to be impacted by that. So business continuity is a very important piece of this that we don't want to um, weigh in too low because it's so important that you don't have an interruption in your service because there's been a storm through your area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there, we've gotten, we have weather that's getting uh, more difficult and weirder by the year, it seems. So definitely something that uh, all of us need to think about, not just the folks in Florida the way it used to be. So, yeah, um, and so this is a way really of failing soft. If even if your bricks and mortar go down, you still have that uh, distributed network of agents uh, all around that can continue servicing customers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, with regard to uh, sort of talent and diversity of workforce uh, needs, is there anything you'd like to add on that? Because you mentioned that briefly earlier. Well, as we've spoken about, um, in some rural areas you may have people that are very knowledgeable and um, interested in working. But the other thing I think that many call groups struggle with at this time is bilingual. Mm-hmm. You know, the United States is no longer a, a, a primarily English-speaking nation. We have many languages that are spoken on a regular basis. And often uh, companies are now more global and they need to speak to individuals that may not even be in the United States. And this is a really good alternative to be able to employ individuals that not only understand and can speak the language, but they also understand the culture of that particular um, call. And it has really improved the customer satisfaction for many companies. And, you know, the the customer feels that they are now really important to that company because they've invested in associates that can speak their language. Right, right. No, I think the cultural part there is absolutely true and much easier to get if you have that flexibility. Um, you know, I, I know a, a center in South Carolina that is servicing uh, Canada as well as the United States, and so they have their French-Canadian, uh, French-speaking agents there as well. Um, but really, in a sense, they don't need to be uh, tied to the bricks and mortar of South Carolina, right? They could, uh, exactly. with this kind of uh, a distributed network, be wherever and uh, still be able to service the uh, the clientele well. Okay. Well, great. I think we've got some uh, questions coming in, Dee, and uh, so I'd like to just ask Brian if he has some. 
Yeah, Bruce, as a matter of fact, I do, and uh, this is kind of a nice little break for you guys to grab a little sip of water as well. I do want to thank everyone for joining us today on Call Talk and remind you that uh, well, you can chat your questions, as uh, Bob has already done, on calltalk.tv to us, and we'll get those in. But also, we really like to hear from the folks that are calling in on the phone, and I know we've got some listeners from uh, California, Kansas, Iowa, and, uh, and even Pennsylvania. So uh, please, I encourage you to just hit the number one on your phone, and uh We'll talk really quick and get you on, on air and be able to ask Dee in person uh, and get some uh, advantage from her experience that she's had in the call center business and at-home agent uh, concept. But uh, let's jump into a question now. Again, Bob, thank you so much. And uh, since you asked one of the questions here, I'm going to set you up with one of our uh, free online courses. We can talk about that later when you email me. But uh, a good question, and uh, this is something I'm sure a lot of people probably wonder about. Uh, the question is, how significant is the loss of camaraderie and uh, teams for at-home agents? That is a very good question. You know, one of the challenges that you hear about in the using home agents is how do you keep that home agent as part of the team? And some of the things that I know uh, my team used, and I hear this often when I'm, I'm working networking with other companies that use home agents, is you keep them engaged by having your team meetings in a conference room where you can conference them in and they can participate. And always, uh, every call center I've ever been exposed to, you're constantly having contests. Make sure you include them in the contest. And when you announce the winners, dial in. Make sure that they're a part of that. Another thing that has has been well received, if you're having a food day, which I've never seen a call center not feed their folks, um, make sure you don't forget those home agents. Send them a gift card. You know, they can go down to, you know, Starbucks for coffee in the morning or give them, um, you know, a, a sandwich at the, the local store. But make sure you include them. That makes them feel a part of the team. And by engaging them in some of your quality initiatives, if you have a uh, a natural work team that's working on something, make it a point that those home agents are a part of that team, and all of those things put together helps them stay a part of that team. Okay, Did I great. answer your question? Hopefully. Okay. No, I think those are great inputs, and if uh, there's a follow-up or uh, Bob wants to actually get on the phone, he's welcome to do that. But uh, I think that uh, those are great inputs, uh, Dee, and uh, I think that we're going to see things get even more sophisticated as time goes on. Uh, I had to chuckle when you mentioned food because it is true. I have never been inside a call center, and I have seen a lot of call centers in my day where uh, food wasn't sort of the fuel that uh, uh, not only kept people going but also binds people together. I mean, uh, how many situations have I seen where – a supervisor or a call center manager is known for the fact that uh, he or she brings in uh, cookies uh, from time to time or some other goodie that, that people just love. And uh, it's, it's one of the things that's appreciated and that you can't do the same way if the person isn't right there. So all the human interaction uh, that's uh, natural in, in, in an environment where you're right next to each other has to be recreated somehow, at least in part. And uh, the aspects that you were just mentioning are all uh, ways to do that and very important things to think about as managers if we're, in fact, going to institute an at-home agent system. Uh, There's something that I've been thinking about and would love to institute, and that has to do with creating sort of a uh, a second-life virtual social uh, capabilities for 
It's people who have at-home agents. Uh, so anybody out there who wants to uh, develop that with the latest research, we'd love to do that with you. But in other words, um, having uh, trying out a situation where agents actually have their own uh, avatars, and those avatars are able to go and uh, have virtual coffee together and chat over the Internet, and uh, there's a way of uh, supervisors intervening with that so that they can become part of the conversation. They can see what people are talking about. And they can also communicate in a informal way, just as they're communicating via formal means uh, through emails and conference calls and things like that. So, uh, Dee, do you have any thoughts on that or whether that might uh, be something that could be attractive uh, going forward? I do think that that's a very good um, solution to introduce people that perhaps have never worked with the company. Now, my experience has been that if you have agents in-house, and then they go out and become a home agent, oftentimes they've developed some relationships with the individuals that they worked with. They mm-hmm. do this anyway. Mm-hmm. And I had, as in, in my past, I had several sites that I was responsible for, and I had individuals that worked from home. Oftentimes, if they had a technology issue, they would call one of their home agent peers before they would call me and let me know because oftentimes they had been through it before. They started their own network. They were able to even develop strong friendships to where if they were in the area, they would stop and have lunch or dinner or or whatever. So that human relationship is so important. And whether it be with an avatar, whether it be uh, a lot of times with Facebook and, and different things of that nature, you will find that home agents still enjoy that connectivity and they will thrive in that environment. Right. And and actually one of the things to think about is that different people, different generations, different uh, personality types are actually going to feel connected different ways. And as managers, we need to uh, have the screening tools but also the managerial uh, creativity to figure out what it is that's going to make uh, different people feel properly connected and properly part of the, the community. Uh, it could be that this avatar business goes really well with the 20-somethings and is a total bomb with the, uh, you know, baby boomers. Uh, but, you know, you have to be ready to meet people where they are and try to keep them uh, tied in and, and happy. Um, and, and, and one of the other things I actually just wanted to throw in about the at-home uh, phenomenon is how many times have we had to say goodbye to somebody whose spouse was moving uh, or for some reason had to go to maybe take care of a, an ailing parent or something like that, and say, gosh, I wish I could keep that person, but he or she has to move back to Cleveland uh, or whatever. And, uh, you know, at that point you have to, uh, you, have to uh, you know, uh, let them go if you don't have a, an at-home agent capability. If you do have that capability, then you don't have to face that problem. That is true. And, you know, there are um, many military spouses that have to change jobs frequently because their spouse is being relocated. This is an excellent opportunity for someone to keep their job and move about in the country. Mm -hmm. I, I, I personally have seen that work very well. Right. And if I could just mention, too, that it's a way of involving disabled vets as well as other disabled people in the uh, the workforce is through at-home agent programs. And there's some outsourcers who have, uh, uh, you know, taken that on and are doing a wonderful job. So, 
Well, great. Uh, let's see. I think you've got some more questions. So before our time runs out, let me go back to you, uh, Brian. Okay, yeah, we do, and uh, remind everyone there's probably only about 10, 15 minutes left in the show, so uh, a couple more questions definitely possible, so uh, shoot them at me, or again, on the phone, just hit uh, your number one, and we'll get you on there. Uh, this is a question you guys might have touched on already, but I uh, wanted to make sure that uh, Emily got her question in, and uh, thanks again, Emily, and we'll make sure you get set up with one of those uh, free online courses as well. And she asks, what is the best way to maintain engagement with the supervisor and employee in coaching sessions remotely? Okay, that is a very good question, and it's probably one of those top challenges that the managers face today that work with a home agent. In my experience, the telephone, I mean, we're using a telephone for the home agent, and it's very critical that you keep that line of communication open. My recommendation is that you schedule at least once a week some time with them on the phone. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. It could be 10 or 15 minutes. The other thing that is very effective is you probably have like some kind of a chat or some kind of a mechanism to communicate through the computer. Uh, some of the most effective supervisors that I personally have, have seen, they actually every morning when they come in, they actually send a note to their home agent, say, good morning, hope you have a great day. Keep that line of communication open. Make sure you keep that window up. And if they ask questions of you throughout the day, make sure you make it a priority to reply back to them. And then as far as formal coaching sessions, absolutely, whatever your normal process is, whether you have weekly coaching sessions, monthly coaching sessions, get them scheduled on your calendar and do not cancel them. You know, sometimes you may have to reschedule them because of other commitments, but make sure that that home agent understands that they are a priority and they are as important to you as the agent sitting right in front of your desk. And by keeping engaged with them throughout the day and throughout the week, that performance piece of it becomes a norm. They don't feel excluded, and you know them well enough at the end of several weeks of this that you can very effectively coach them and know them just like you would if you were working in the same facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, this connectivity is extremely important and uh, making sure that the communication is two-way um, and making sure that in terms of coaching that uh, someone feels like they're really getting the full benefit of it. And a lot of it has to do with uh, what we've talked about in other shows uh, and that is that the supervisor has to be seen and heard as a really an agent advocate, somebody who's trying to make the agent better, trying to keep the agent uh, tied into the corporate culture, uh, trying to make sure that the agent is up on all the latest things, and trying to make sure that the agent is giving the absolute best uh, to the customers possible, and that when they're intervening, that that's what they're really trying to do. And, uh, Dee, you've had a lot of experience, as have I, with systems that measure uh, how well agents are doing. And then if we have the support system in which, you know, agents who perhaps are floundering a bit, not quite performing up to speed, but who feel that that um, supervisor is really there to support them and to help them get better, then then that's as important uh, when you're an at-home agent as when you're, you're in a bricks-and-mortar environment. So. Yes. 
Okay, Brian, uh, do we have another another question? Yeah, we do. And uh, and before I jump to that one, I, I do want to share with you, Dee and Bruce, uh, on the chat here. Uh, Bob replied, "D, thank you very much uh, for the response that you gave." And then uh, Emily was, "Woohoo, thanks!" And uh, so, so they both appreciated you guys taking the time to answer their questions. So uh, now that the next question came in from my uh, into my email from Deborah, and uh, you guys have uh, provided a lot of good insight so far on kind of why or uh, or how to really uh, become a home agent. This one uh, might take it to the uh, the next level. And uh, Deborah asks. What would you say is the key to a successful home agent staffing model? Okay. okay. I would say that the the key to an effective staffing model is to make sure that you have a plan to cover your hours of operation, that your agents have a selection process that they can go in and they can select the hours that works for them, or that, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of here's the hours I have, and if you want to work for this company, that, you know, this is the hours that we have available. I think you should always have a plan, a backup plan, because as a company, you want to make sure that if an agent is sick and cannot participate, you always have a backup plan. But I think it's no different than staffing in an in um, house operation. You make sure that your staffing model accommodates for breaks, lunches, uh, it accommodates for illnesses, but you do have those individuals that they want to come in to work at the time that you have available. Split shifts is very attractive to home agents. Working evenings when, you know, perhaps their spouse is home to care for their children, some of these hours are very attractive to them, but you don't want to forget that they have things that come up the same as someone that comes into the office. And make sure you have an effective backup plan to support the phones when something goes awry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, in fact, even if the uh, at-home model, to a certain extent, is your number one backup plan, you need to have a backup plan for the backup plan. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And... um, you know, the uh, what about on the technology side, uh, Dee? What are your thoughts on uh, technology with regard to people saying, you know, I'd like to set up a pilot program, but do I have the technology that will allow me to do this? You know, that's a very good question, Bruce. And I think depending on the technology that you have in your operation, it's very important that you engage your technology team with you. And one of the things that is very important, if you have a traditional phone system, chances are you're going to be able to employ home agents that are within perhaps a 50-mile radius of your facility. Mm-hmm. But if there are some technology that will allow it beyond that. You can have them any place in the United States. And one of the things that I've seen in the past is the expense involved in employing someone that may not be within a close proximity to your home. But I would say don't stop there. There are many companies out there that will you can actually purchase just the time that you need. They can host the phone system that will make that available to you at a very reasonable price where you don't have to go through a whole, whole phone reconfiguration. Mm -hmm. So I would say 
Look at what you have today. Identify the gaps you might have in the way you want to employ a home agent. If it doesn't meet those needs, then seek out companies that may be able to fulfill those needs at a very cost-effective price so that it will complement your home agent program. Okay, perfect. A great answer. And uh, these days with the increased uh, availability of distributed uh, hosted systems, uh, there are more and more opportunities to get the the right technology at a reasonable price. Um, Brian, I guess we have – Emily has another question. That's great. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it is kind of building on what you're talking about from the technology standpoint, but taking it another direction is uh, more about tax structure. And so uh, uh, let me uh, get her on the line real quick, and uh, she wanted to ask you guys in person. Uh, Emily, can you hear us? I can hear you. Great. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Uh, Go ahead with your question. Okay, my question stems from um, the out-of-state issue. You were talking about letting military and that kind of thing move from state to state and work for the company. Right now I've got a small call center of less than 100 agents, and they're based all in the same state as our company. What happens with the tax structure in that once you've got agents that are moving from state to state, how does that get set up and dealt with? Okay, Emily, that's a great question. And uh, while we're not tax experts, right, Dee? That's correct. (laughs) Still, we do have experience in uh, multi-state operations, and that is something that you have to set up for. Uh, That is to say that if the work is actually being performed in another state by somebody residing in that state and declaring their taxes in that state, uh, then you're going to have to uh, set up for that state, unfortunately. It is a bit of bureaucracy. Uh, There are companies out there that help with that to make it less painful, and make sure that you have everything you need in terms of with, uh, withholdings from uh, pay payments, uh, helping you figure out what the workers' comp might be uh, if they're employees. And uh, what you might want to do, too, to start out with is to start with uh, people who are consulting uh, status 1099s and then uh, move toward uh, uh, employee status afterwards. There's a number of ways of approaching this, but uh, I don't think there's any way that I know of that you get out of the extra bureaucracy altogether. Uh, Dee, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you covered it well. And, again, the 1099 is something that I know works very effectively for this. Uh, Emily, do you understand what we mean when we say that? Yeah, definitely. Okay, good. Okay, And and so the 1099 would uh, take away the need for the uh, worker comp, component, and right. uh, they they would have more responsibility to uh, sort of square up with their own state if uh, if you aren't there. But the, the fact that you have a quote-unquote presence uh, in that state may have uh, an impact. So uh, did, does that answer your question, Emily? And, uh, it sure does. Yeah. And it, it sure are does. you in a state, are you in a big state that has uh, quite a bit of opportunity even outside of your brick-and-mortar location? or We do. We're you, based out of Las Vegas, actually. I see. Okay. So there's a, there would be a definite uh, sort of tendency to try to move beyond the state borders because you're right there on the border, aren't you? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking my question. Well, good, and uh, good luck with uh, with your pilot. Are you thinking of doing that soon? Uh, I think so. Okay. All very right. Good. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, great. Well, Brian, I think we're uh, at the end of our 
actually we're more than at the end of our half hour. Is there any any other uh, questions that we should handle, or are we ready to say thank you to our listeners and to Dee? No, right at this point, I think uh, uh, we're probably ready to wrap things up. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much, Dee. This has been uh, great. I uh, really enjoyed uh, talking with you and the insights that you have on this. And I'd like to thank also, thank also our, our listeners and those who participated in this uh, session. And over to you, Brian. All right. Well, thanks uh, thanks again, Bruce. Appreciate all your insight as well. And, and Dee, uh, really nice to have you on our show, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on here again. A lot of uh, good discussion today. So I do want to congratulate our, our winners. We've got Bob, Emily, and Deborah were uh, the winners today, and so just make sure you contact me, and I'd be happy to set you up with one of our courses that you can take online or you can share with others as well. So uh, my email is brian at benchmarkportal.com. So, uh, of course, want to thank uh, everyone for listening in, and uh, be sure to join us next month on August 17th when we are going to take a really good look at IVRs from agent to the IVR process and everything in between and how we can try to pave a smooth road between the two. So uh, don't forget also to sign up for one of our free Reality Check Benchmark reports and get an idea of how your center compares to others in the industry. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.